Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I mean, no one plans to get sick. And yet, here we are. My name is Matthew Zachary. I survived cancer, a stroke, and COVID-19, and somehow I'm still here. I also survived our stupid broken healthcare system, and I want to help you survive it too. So let's go make healthcare suck less together, because you know what? We're all out of patience. Hey, that's the name of the show. Howdy, howdy, friends. Welcome back to the show. A quick reminder, as always, if you like the show, I could really use some validation with a review, a rating, a like, something, or don't, whatever. Man, have we got a great show for you today, Ritesh Patel. That's all you need to know. Wanted this guy on the show for forever. Ritesh is a senior partner of Global Digital Health at Finn Partners, but he's so much more than that. He's really a nerd like me. We crimped cables in the 1990s, and he was at the forefront of like Adobe PDF and Macromedia Flash and all sorts of crazy stuff we take for granted today. In the 1990s, he joined a group called Agency.com. Man, that is a domain you want to own. Agency.com was the first evangelicals of the merits of the World Wide Web. Remember, we used to call it the World Wide Web. The tubes of the internet were made valid by people like Pratesh at Agency.com. This is a good show. You're going to love it. And he's here. He's in the studio. It's going to be great. Enjoy. Uh, Ritesh, here on my show, oh my God, long time coming, long time coming. Glad to be here. And to see you here live in, in person. person. Yeah. This is so cool. It's I'm glad a, I could bring some bagels as well. Right? I know, Zucker is not a sponsor, but you know, hey, come on, Zuckers. Come on, Zuckers, you've got to sponsor this sponsor thing. the show, exactly. I mean, the two minutes away. I know. Right? Where I want to bond with you first is that, you know, I, I don't get a lot of agency people on the show. I don't mean like pharma agency, like agency people like just understand consumer health and whatever because that's kind of where i started after i was sick i didn't get to go to grad school but you're not just an agency guy you're like an it nerd agency guy so let's start in the 90s how many rj11 cables did you crimp <laughs> too many yes built too many computers as well you know figured out how to hack phone lines because you had to do that to do get on the internet right did you like the patch channels we had patch channels. We had a thing uh, when I joined agency.com, we'd just moved to a new office. Before that, they were in the Time Life building in one room where they had what the they called the old Time Life building. The old Time yeah. Life building. They Not had, the fancy nice one in Columbus Circle. Exactly. <laughs> so they were given this one room as an office. They, they were managed to cram 25 people in this room. They had one patch panel in the wall that connected directly to the fiber which was great. So they created an ethernet 
sneaker net, as they called sneaker it. Sneaker net, yeah. They basically had wire running from the patch panel down to all the PCs connecting in the back, what, what, all what, taped together. Was it on the same floor, though? Oh. Because I've drilled holes through floors. Oh, yeah, no, this was on the <laughs> same. They just taped it with duct tape, okay, right? right. <laughs> duct tape for yeah, the win. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, can you imagine, you know, uh, I do a show on Fridays with Kyle Shannon, the co-founder of Agency.com, and it came out. Because one day we were sort of chatting and he said something and I said, no, that wasn't right. This is how it happened. And we realized that we have these great memories of Web 1.0. Right. But we're forgetting them. So we started a thing called youshoulda.com. Nice. And basically it's, you should have been there. Yeah. And we interview these amazing people. We interviewed Jeff Dakis, for example, the founder of OneDrop. Before that, he was the founder of Razorfish, yeah. you know, one of the original uh, agencies, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And you hear their stories about how HTML was about 16 lines and you had to figure out how mm -hmm. to move graphics around yeah. and there was no sort of, you this know. It's like life before Dreamweaver. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I remember when Netscape first came out, we were like, whoa, yep. you it's, can do pictures. I you know. know, with that big N square on the yeah, left side. Go. And then the revolving E for oh, the okay. Internet well, Explorer. I, oh, so I started uh, college in 92, okay. so when I was 18. And I was the first student at Binghamton to lobby for a Ethernet port in my dorm. So I went to the computer pot and I said, I want to, because I the graduating class, I knew someone that was in there and they said, I think they're starting to roll out in dorm connections. I said, I want to be the, so I had, it was like cat one, <laughs> we have two back and then cat two, cat three. And I had a patch in and I used the VAX system. And I was telling people like, back then before Netscape, before Mozilla, we had like Telnet, Waste, Gopher, Talk. Remember Talk? I remember Talk. Just for the listeners. so. Talk like made a full like 21st century rerun because now that you're in Google Docs, you could see people like make typos and, and, and delete them. We did that in 1992. We would talk to each other in live and we'd all type horribly. Character-based, so, exactly. So it was awful. Everything old is new again. You know, it's so funny. When we moved here from England, we moved to Vienna, Virginia first. And we bought the house from a guy who worked for AOL at the time. They just launched he had a T1 in the house. That's crazy. And he said, oh, you could just keep it. Um, it's got a year subscription, so you've got it for another year. So for a year, you we had T1? the fastest computer That's speed crazy. in the neighborhood from this guy. Did it was your modem amazing. like just blow up on fire? Completely. I had to get two new modems, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I had a 14.4 modem, yeah. and I had to get a 64, and that even blew up. So, I remember you know. the, the second week of college. I love, this is the best part. We, we've lost half our audience. Oh, I know, <laughs> probably. Yeah, we've geeked out yeah, completely. Totally. Sorry. I guys. remember like going to one of the local mall stores, some some pre comp USA type of mom and pop in the mall, and they had a God, was it a three hundred or six hundred baud modem? Six hundred. Six hundred. Yeah, and I bought a six hundred baud modem for eighty bucks. And that's what I used to jack into the thing. So I dial out through you still had to dial it. It wasn't like a direct Correct. IP connection. Correct. And that's how we got to talk and waste and all that crap. How far we've come, right? Look at this. But that's the best part. Like if only if like, only the crazy kids have no idea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Going back to like the if only we knew. Like what was that you, you called it? You should have. You should have. Like you should have been there. How relevant is it for us to educate millennials and Gen Zers about what they've been through or is it okay to let them take it for granted? Well, it's twofold. We did you should have for a reason of capturing the stories for those early pioneers who did do some amazing things, which we're benefiting from right. now, right? However, I think we do need, to, we owe it to the generation before to remember things they should so they don't make the mistakes again. Uh, there are some big things that they should know about that we don't teach that happened in the world, as we know. 
Uh, and when it comes to our industry, the technology that we use, all of those things, much to my chagrin to my children, I regale them with stories about some of the things we had to do. Uh, when and their eye roll was the, how much? Yes, exactly. The youngest one specifically. But he did say the other day, thank you for teaching me how to read a map because my phone died. Yeah. Right? Reading a map. There you go. Yeah, but that's like the National Lampoon's vacation, right? Yeah. Like you get a map. Yeah. We used to take these trips like any Americans we did in our crappy station wagon across the country. With the book. With the giant book. <laughs> yeah. you, you would call AAA. They'd yeah. send you the map with the free yellow outline. AAA recommended trip route. Yeah. trip tickets. Right? Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So I think some of those things, you know, technology, while it's really good and we enjoy it and unfortunately we now live on our phones, mm -hmm. uh, there are things that the phone shouldn't do or you should try and avoid and maybe look around a little bit. As I came here today, Everybody on the subway from 42nd Street down had their eyes and mm -hmm. they were completely glued to the phone. Yep. I was just sitting around looking around because, one, I haven't experienced New York in a long time as well. Yep. But it is fascinating that sometimes we need to just take our eyes off the thing that's you know, completely encompassing us. And remember that there's a world outside your phone. Exactly. And there are other people, right? Other people? Other people. Crazy, right? I've tried to resurrect the curry club. I do this monthly curry club where we get people together for a curry, a beer, and a chat. That's it. You put your phone away. You come in. I do the menu. I do the seating. You sit where I tell you, right? That sort of yeah. thing. But I do it purposefully because I want to get people to know, get to know each other. And over the course of many years, we've had people move in together. We've had people get married from the curry club. We've had people start businesses at the curry club. Because they sat opposite somebody and actually talked to them and got to know them really well over yeah. a meal, right? It's those little things that technology and all of this stuff I fear for. So I think it is incumbent on us to let the millennials know that there are certain things that they should not take for granted. So you know? what's your take on eye contact? Still necessary? Big time. <laughs> Big time. I absolutely. I have two things I taught three, all three of my boys. When you shake somebody's hand, shake it purposefully. Look them in the eye and say, nice to meet you. Yes. Right? I have 11-year-old twins, and we are doing our best to remind them that they should be looking at people. Yeah. And they just got their phones, and we're really monitoring how – there was a story a while ago, like kids are growing like like tails in their neck or something. You know, they're have getting you like, seen the thing on the Wall Street Journal this weekend about TikTok and the side impact that people think? There's teenage girls in America – originally when I read this, I thought it was an Onion article. Teenage girls in America in the Wall Street Journal uh, – showing ticks, signs of like behavioral ticks behavior just from ticks. too much uh, too much All use the, you know craziness that they do on tiktok and now it's becoming part of their body cycle oh no it's muscle memory yeah that's not okay yeah so it's those kinds of things that we need to remind folks about a bit i think this is like digital eugenics yeah 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 we are being I, look our behavior is being changed completely if you think about it in the work that i do and I talk to people about why they should engage with their customers in the way the customers want to get engaged. Um, in the last 18 months, our behavior has changed completely and our muscle memory has changed completely. I cannot remember the last time I went to a liquor store. Drizzly delivers it to my door. Drizzly. Not a sponsor, but they should be a sponsor. They should. In fact, we should talk to them. Yes. Uh, but, you know, I, press a, I started doing that in March now, last year and it worked. You know, Fresh Direct works. It stuff. The stuff. Cosmo.com used to work. Right? Everything old is new again. Exactly. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and I'll be right back with Ritesh <laughs> with more useless information there from the 1990s. Go. All right. See you in a bit, folks.
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back. He's drinking coffee. We're here on the radio. I mean, I'm going to own this. I still call it radio, even though it's like online talk radio, because I think someone needs to keep the word radio alive. Radio is alive. I think radio is alive and well, and we should definitely call it radio, and you should keep doing that. Um, I do two radio shows. I do one on Wednesday for a radio station in the UK, internet radio station, and I've been doing my own on Sunday afternoons for seven years now. What's it and called? I call it the radio show. It's the Patel show. That's it. Yeah. Why not? And so I call it my weekly radio show. Because when I, so I, I was offered a, an internet talk radio show in 2006 before I even started Stupid Cancer. And I was like, what the hell is internet talk radio? I, I believe Howard yeah. Stern, everything. And, you know, series was just becoming a thing that wasn't in your cars yet. There was nothing. You had to, like, listen to it on an, on, on an app on your, like, Palm Trail or whatever it was. Well, we built a custom player for it. When we launched Sirius, there was a custom player, web player that you had really? to use. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. In Internet Explorer 7? Yeah. <laughs> no, three. Three. Exactly. So, yeah. So I had, like, the first internet talk radio show and i just happened to be blathering about healthcare, cancer whatnot but it was live and i think that's another thing people miss is the idea of something that you can't listen to again until hulu's invented 30 years later yeah i agree and my radio show the live plays i get maybe 30 40 people who tune in live on sunday afternoons mm -hmm. this sunday i had 11 they all know each other there's a chat feature on the console yeah. that they can talk to each other as well as me but podcasts you know it gets automatically then set up on podcasts right. and i get a lot of people saying hey i just listened to this can i tune in live i'm like yeah right. here's the link yeah at two o'clock eastern time so there is a lot of that i, I feel agree. like maybe we've lost the art of finding time mm. to listen to things yeah my show was live for three years so if you didn't block out an hour on monday nights eastern or pacific you miss the show and I think we, we had no choice back then because if you want to listen, you had to find the time. Has the digital revolution, healthcare otherwise, gotten rid of our need to find time? I don't think so. Here's, you know, I, I go on a sort of a impossible task every year, right? So when I started in healthcare in 2010, uh, I vowed to get rid of the fax machine. <laughs> How's that going? Obviously didn't do well. <laughs> You know, uh, last year or two years ago, I wanted to get rid of PowerPoint for presentations to clients for pitches. Let's okay. have a conversation. We'll tell you how we can fix your problem. I failed miserably there, right? <laughs> How's that going to? Yeah, <laughs> that's not going well. Let's get Prezi to, to give us some sponsorship <laughs> money. Yeah. Come on, Prezi, give us some, some money to get going. And so, you know, I think 
look at what Clubhouse did last year when they launched, and everybody was craving that live thing. Yes, it was the first like, what right? is this live thing of which you speak? Exactly. Yeah. So I think we we need more of that. They've done a good job. Sure. What's your take on Clubhouse? Like a year later. I think uh, they were, in a moment in time, great. I don't know if they've continued. I continue. There's a couple of rooms that I participate in. Uh, Amir and uh, Khalil, who's the head of the CNS Summit and and the DTRA. Does Which is a, coming up soon as of the yeah, taping. Yes. Yeah, November 8th, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, they do a clubhouse session on Fridays around decentralized trials, which is really, really good. And the other one I do is on a Thursday, which is healthcare professionals. There's a generation that's on there, and we, you know, in this room, you get maybe two, three hundred healthcare professionals mm -hmm. around all of the things they face. It's open mic. Tell us what are you going through, and it's fascinating to hear some of the things that they're going through. At that, we have a generation of doctors over the last eighteen months who will have PTSD for sure in oh, the next year. Absolutely, so yes. Everything they've signed up for to do, they can't. You, know, you can't save lives. You know, can't do this. Can't do that. So. It's a fantastic clubhouse room uh, with these doctors, young doctors. How do I do this? How do I get? Because they're not talking to their peers. Everybody's on lockdown in a full kit. Right. You can't go to somebody and say, hey, Matt, uh, I've got this patient that's got this. Can you help me? Because they're too busy trying to save somebody's life right. on a ventilator. So this is a forum where they, they talk to each other and get help and stuff. It's is really it good. Is it more like mental health peer support life hackery or is it actual clinical doing a better job as a doctor life hackery? It's mental health, branding yourself. How do you look after yourself kind of hackery. Right. Very much so. But there's a need for that. And so why well, not? Hands down, there was always a need for it. Now it's just <laughs> 10,000 times worse. Exactly. Exactly. So, so my biggest beef with the um, sort of, you know, I'm, I'm never not going to wear a nonprofit hat. I'm, in, I'm out of the nonprofit space for three years now, which is crazy. But this patient part of me, I mean, not, I'm 25 years out. I never, you know, like I never won't be the founder of super cancer, never won't be a cancer patient, survivor. But I think where I still see a lot of, of grievance from the patient community goes back to this thing we've been talking about for 15 years. Like it's the patient conference with no patients at it or their token patients paid for by the conference people to try out patients to give them awards. And yeah, do these people deserve awards? Yeah. But, you know, you know, my my grievances with like I for Pharma. I, I've been very vocal about that for a me long too, time now. Me too, me too. And you're on the same side as me. But is there ever any monetized value to the conference organizers to have patients there? And if so, what role could those patients play in helping accelerate drug development and to channel like a Haran Jeff? Like, how much should they be paid? Because we didn't ask for expertise. We kind of like got stuck because we nearly died and have this expertise. Where is the value? What is the stock market of suffering that belongs in bringing us into these conversations? Because clearly we help monetize drug development. The current slew of conference organizers will never, ever do that. There's no point in talking to I them. I feel so validated. Thank you. Yeah. They'll never do that. That's not to them. It's just a. It's like adding digital to a campaign. Right? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> oh wait, we need this digital thing. Let's go find a patient. Those right? are three good syllables. Yeah. So I I don't think you'll get anybody. I went to Health Kicking and Screaming this week. I, you know, when they launched it in Las Vegas, I refused to go. Ogilvy were like, you have to go. You are our chief digital officer. Yeah. And I said, I'm not going. It's people who are going to be self-congratulating themselves, talking on the stage, and not a single thing is going to impact the patient at the end of the day. They're going to leave that conference to say, I met the CEO of so-and-so. So what? Yeah. What did you do? 
How did you move the needle? And I learned that early on. Look, I didn't get into, I got into healthcare completely by accident in 2010, right? I joined Inventive. My first client was Novartis. And the product was a cystic fibrosis product. Mm -hmm. And that's the first question I asked. I said, How, where are the patients that impact this? They're like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, well, you know, you, you're going to have a mother's program with mothers who you have kids suffering from. But what about the kids themselves? Right. Right. So we create. And this is totally foreign. Yeah. They Took looked at me like I was from Mars. Yeah. Right. I'm like, but they're the ones who are benefiting. So surely you want their story. You want to know about them and what they do. So we created a bloggers program at the time. We created a whole social media campaign around it using this new thing called Facebook and Twitter. Before it was horribly evil and it, ruining the world? It was before. We created our own newsfeed. We created a custom wall wow. for medical legal because they didn't want comments and Facebook hadn't figured out how to turn yeah, comments into more comments. Yeah. 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 So we built all that, won an award internally. The lady who was the CMO at the time, Joanna Rosell, kudos and hats off to her. She got it straight away. She's like, absolutely, you're right. We need to do this. And she won an award. We had, and it was funny because the CF product, uh, Tobermycin, had been in the market for 20, 30 years. It was the only thing. And Gilead was going to come out with a new one shortly. And I remember one of the bloggers sending me an email saying, hey, Gilead has just out turned an outreach to me to talk about their, be a brand ambassador. And I said no to them because you guys have been so good to us. And that's the benefit that pharma just does not understand. They look at it from a monetary perspective when they should be looking at from a, how do I build a community of patients who we listen to and then we can get, you know, partnerships with. The thing is that this is not an, an old conversation. I no, mean, 2010. This, yeah. <laughs> I refer to this a million times. Like it's like in Jurassic Park when Jeff Gold was like, where are the dinosaurs on your, on your dinosaur tour? They're not here. It's a dinosaur tour. Yeah. And has anyone been able to, I think, um, loaded question, I kind of know the answer to this. So many health economists have demonstrated that if you invest in the end user being the patient, in as much as you invest in the end user being the prescriber, that you will save money over time. The 30,000 foot question I keep asking these days, and that this is my new hill to die on, is who's protecting that patient to make sure they get what they need, right? Because it's if it's not in the interest of pharma, of course, they're not woke yet, like the CF Novartis people. And it's not in the interest of the hospital because they're beholden to a certain, you know, payer value crap nonsense. You know, where is that protection? I'll bolster that with one quick note, which is that it's a lot easier now to not die from things because there's more drugs for it, which makes it complicated, but a little easier tongue in cheek. So... That poor schmuck that gets in the cancer store or the, or the cystic fibrosis store, how do they know what to do? Yeah, and that's the million-dollar question, yeah. right? So if you look at that, and look at me, you know, I've canceled on you three times because of my eye issue that I've been going through. Right. I've been through four ophthalmologists. Each one has a different solution and opinion. So our healthcare system is a little broken as well. Right, right. There's an amazing group called The MedNet, and two people started that, and it's for oncologists. It's a social network of oncologists, but it's not really a social network because the two founders had their father going through a problem. They're both oncologists, so they call who they thought was an expert who gave them an opinion. Then, So the wife called an expert. So the husband called another friend who was an expert who gave them a completely different opinion. So they're like, this doesn't jive. Right, you know, right. Everyone's giving different opinions of where and what and who and 
what to use for treatment and everything else. So I think to your question, it's a community of folks that need together to, to share that knowledge. You look at something like a figure one, where doctors post cases and then experts give their opinion. You then take the 80% of the opinions that are the same and you go, okay, that looks like it's what it is, as opposed to the 10% that gave you six different opinions because you're still then chasing your needles, right? So if you can get a community of patients together sharing their stories and engaging with them, which is what patients have been doing forever, you know, you're like me, you're going through this like I am, I'm not the only one, but then starting to share more than just our stories, but hey, you know what, at the end of the day, this ophthalmologist fixed this eye problem and they figured out that, that you needed a retinal specialist, which is where I'm going next, right? as opposed to an ophthalmologist. So sharing that stuff is the way to go. Doctors are too busy. The payers are not interested, really, at the end of the day. Yep. You know, so their, their thing is very much bottom line oriented. So if you're sitting here in anecdote land, basically mm. opinions are like, <laughs> I, could, I could say this because I'm Jewish, but you know, two Jews in a room with eight opinions. Don't spit your coffee out. <laughs> spit his coffee out. By the Patels of the Jews of India. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah. so food and guilt. It's there the same thing. Same thing. Indians, Italians, the Jews. It's the same damn thing. Yeah. Maybe the Greeks too. With a little more Windex. <laughs> <laughs> See, you got a movie reference. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, Ring the bell. Away. Ring the reference. bell. Exactly. And it, it comes down to the fact that, you know, if we're living in a, a you know, data-driven world and there's 10,000 new approvals every year, where... Do the human beings that happen to be the doctors get their solace? They have kids to hug. They have wives to come home to. They have families. Have we stretched ourselves to the absolute brink where the system that we say is broken is working exactly as planned? And I love the way that Dave Contorno says that all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, what needs to happen? There's no magic pill. Where are we going? Answer every question accurately. Okay. So I think there are four things in that question that you have. Yeah. The first one is, yes, the healthcare system is designed and it's working the way it's been designed, for sure. There are some people who get great care, either by design or by accident. There are others who don't. We are in the danger, though, of going into an environment for three people in the, or constituents in this, in this paradigm. The physicians are getting more and more burnt out because of the demands that are being put on them by the big buildings and the administrators of the building. We've created you know, data entry clerks of them because of the EHR installations. Mm -hmm. But there are some good companies like Augmedix and Suki who are trying to fix that, right? Augmedix has taken the Google Glass and connected it to Epic. So if you're yeah. a doctor now, I can sit and talk to you, Matt, look you in the eye and then say, hey, Glass, pull up Matt's record. It'll pull up right in front of me in the yeah. eye. Hey, Glass, you know, put in Matt's record that he needs to go for this test and the test is done and it's in the chart notes. So things are going that way, but we are going into burnout, particularly over the last 18 months or so, we've got to do yeah. something there. The third one is on our payment model. So the reimbursement model has to change. It's not one size fits all, right? What they've done is they've taken the 80% who are healthy or paying for the 20% who are not, right? I've seen more people get bankrupted from cancer than anything else. It's not, it's not right. So change the model. If you suffer from a malady that's more expensive, this is your payment model and your reimbursement model, too, then you don't. The last one, the most alarming is the disruption of the GP. Uh, the GP is being completely unbundled by technology primarily, telemedicine, telemedicine. things like that. Yeah. So I've been on a big kick this year. Let's see how it goes uh, coming up in 2022. You're not trying to kill the facts again, are you? No, this time I'm going to go. The pharmacist should be able to provide GP services in locations where there's no doctors. I love that idea. Right. That's the kick I'm on right now. 
Well, on that note, we're going to take another break. And for the first time in 200 episodes, we're doing a third segment. Yo! We'll be back with Ritesh Patel right after this. Excellent. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Third segment. God, you win the internet. Or actually, you win the bitnet. <laughs> I was just going to say, I win stupid cancers net. <laughs> you win everything Thank else. You. Thank third, you. Our first third segment. I'm enjoying this call. Maybe our, if you're my one listener, we have no listeners now. <laughs> I know. But I want to pick up on this because it's at the fax machine. And like, can you figure out where the inherent risk is and why we have not adopted a better platform than the fax machine still? Is it lawyers? Is it well, what, what's the what's the backstory behind that? I think it's change. It's pure change management because the process is that, right? I have a great story. When I got married, I watched my mother-in-law up in the north of England cut the ends of the beef and put it in the oven. So I asked her, why do you do that? Does it give it more flavor? Is it better? Does the juices flow out on the sides? She said, no, my mom used to do it. So I went over to grandma. I said, why do you cut the ends of the beef? Because my mom used to do it. And, and the answer was, Tradition. in the old days, the <laughs> ovens were smaller. So yeah. you had to cut the ends off for the beef to fit in. And the two ends were then used in the pan to create grease yeah. for the gravy. And so now the ovens are modern, but we're still doing the same thing. And I think that's a serious problem that we have is there's no will to say, can we do this better, right? Even the companies like Lash and Cover My Meds, who are providing an amazing service of prior authorization and managing your reimbursements are relying on the fax machine because the payer said, I need a signature. Well, I can get a mortgage and refinance my house on an iPad with a signature. Right. Why can't I get insurance? I can get my insurance. I can get an all-state insurance for my house and my car using a signature on my iPad, but right. I can't get uh, United Health to give me insurance for my health care unless I fax in a signed piece of paper. You can get a $100 million equity fund into yeah. your startup that's right. online with DocuSign, right? There you go. <laughs> and that's the problem, right? So you can do it. Technically, it's completely available. But there isn't there aren't people within that chain who are willing to stand up and say, we can do this better. I will either propose, And it all goes down to empire territory and politics at the end yeah. of the day, right? So. Well, let's go back to your pharmacist thing. Is I don't know enough about the pharmacist world, the human beings at the drugstores, because, you know, 
at CVS, it's this price, and and they don't control that. Across the street, it's this price, and we've lost the mom and pop model. You know, to the best of my understanding, um, our pharmacists the last bastion of unstressed provider. They are stressed, but in a different way. Right. So. In the UK, if I have a generic general question about something, I'm not feeling well, I can go into a booth and talk to the pharmacist. Mm -hmm. And the pharmacist will say, okay, based on what you just told me, in the back shelf here, here's some medication, go take it. And if it doesn't work, call your doctor. So you're allowed to do that. This is a non-prescription type of solution? Non-prescription, non okay. exactly. Uh, in the US, they're not reimbursed for that. Mm. They, they, the other thing is a lot of medication in outside of the United States comes prepackaged in blister packs. Right, right, right. So when you get prescribed something, they don't have to count the pills. They just mm -hmm. give you it. Yeah. Well, here you go. Here's your prescription. Because it's all, it's all prepackaged. Right. Here in the US, it's not. So we've made pill counting jockeys of our pharmacists mm. who are PharmDs. They have all the experience of a GP. They have gone through the same medical school and knowledge as a GP has done. Right. They may not be as you know accolades and, and accredited, but they have enough of the knowledge of the body and everything that you're going That's through. The pushing pills are so beneath them. Exactly. Yeah. So they're stressed as hell as well because they have numbers to meet if you're a Walgreens or a CVS or a Walmart. So at Health last week, you know, the head of CVS and the head of Walmart Health were talking about how they're going to change the model. But until they are able to get reimbursed for that from CMS and HHS, I don't happen. see a change coming because Is there's no money Is there any incentive in for that? Like, again, there's no, if there's no money in it, it's not going to happen. That's the sad part of this system, right? But Walmart and CVS have the power and the capability. If you got Walgreens, Walmart, and CVS together, and they went to the government, they have enough lobbyists that they pay for to say to HHS and CMS, look, this hospital just closed down in West Virginia, leaving 500 people to drive 400 miles to the nearest hospital now, but there's a Walmart right there. We're gonna convert a section of that Walmart to a clinic, and we want the pharmacist to be able to provide GP services. Why not, right? So. As I said, I'm on this kick next year. Get the pharmacist to be able to provide care, particularly the remote parts of this country where there is a Walmart or a Walgreens, a CVS, a Rite Aid. Right. Or one of they're those. They're already there. They're already there. Target. You know, they're yeah. already there in those locations. So why not give the pharmacist in that building the capability to provide basic services to people who need it, right? And then you go to the specialist, to the hospital to the cancer center. Even if it's 400 miles away. Yeah, because you can't do that at the right. pharmacy. And GP can't do that either. GP can't, you know. But that's a no-no. We exactly. know that's going to be the case. But things are changing. Look, Fox Health, which is a startup, a pharmacy startup, started out to do delivery of pharmacy to you. So they would deliver your prescription once the, it hits their specialty pharmacy system within two hours, 50 states. So if the you are Cosmo.com of pharmacists. <laughs> yeah. That's what they built, it, yeah. right? This Amit Gear, who smart guy who built this thing, um, built it for Oxner Health, right, uh, the health system. He, he changed his model during COVID because people were coming to him saying, well, if you can deliver this, can you do this? So now, if you are an infusion, a guy comes to your house with a fridge with the medicine in it, drops it off. 20 minutes later, a nurse arrives, does your infusion in your house and leaves. And then somebody comes and picks the fridge up and takes it to the next house. Uber meds. Right? <laughs> so why can't we do cancer infusions in the house? Why do I have to go to a community cancer center? Right. So that's what the pharmacists can do. I mean, everything literally old is new again. It's yeah. like in Forrest Gump when the doctor came to the house and fixed his leg. That's right. right. Like, are we really going back to where we came from? Exactly. And I think it's a the good The gig thing. economy for healthcare? Yeah.
Yeah, I, I don't see why not. That's I don't amazing. see why not, right? Why not? Let the patients get the care that they deserve when they want it and need it, right? So that's I think that's a model that could work really, really well. The technology is there. There are physicians that are burnt out in big hospitals, so give them the opportunity to continue doing what they love, right. which is healing people, and then combine the technology and the people and create an Uber-like service for this stuff, right? So is this like your new big hill? Like if you had to yes. pick the top three things that you're fighting for for the next 10 years? I would say I continue to fight to have the patient involved, particularly in the pharma world that I work in. I remember talking to somebody at a major pharma company five years ago who said, we've now got patient, we're patient centric. We had one patient speak at our annual event. <laughs> I'm like, really? Wait, I'm going to go barf. Yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> right? So I'm still on that kick. I'm, I'm the, I did a, a, a webinar with Jen and Grace and those yeah. guys not too long ago. I saw them at health. I'm going to do another one. Let's keep going. Right? Right. We have to push that. The second thing is, yeah, the big hill I'm working on at the moment is the pharmacist. I'm big. My passion next year is how do I bring care to the middle of nowhere in America, to those who are really desperate for it. What can we do to do that? And that's the Walmart, Target, Walgreens plan. Yeah, exactly. Right Work with the pharmacists. Yeah. Kroger's. <laughs> Kroger's. Whoever's got a pharmacist, yeah. right? Because they all have them. They're yeah. prescribed. You know, if they're doing prescriptions, they should be able to talk to somebody and say. I remember when my supermarket got a, pharma got a pharmacy, I'm like, why am I going to Walbaums for my pills? Yeah. Like, but here we are. Yeah. And there's independent pharmacists out there who provide a service in their neighborhoods right. too. We've got two in Montclair that I go to. I don't go to CVS. Right. Right. I go to those guys. So I'd encourage the listeners here to support your local pharmacist because I think that they have a place that they can play in this health ecosystem. Yeah, because they can compound better than anyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I know that for a fact. There you go. My father-in-law was a pharmacist for a ah, million years. There you go. So he you did know. private. He did hospital. Why give more money to Amazon? Right. They've got enough already. They're Don't launching give... people to space. Come yeah, on. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that's, you know, that's the second hill. And the third hill that I'm still trying to convince people to do is that digital does matter and people do use their phones for other things. Right. <laughs> but that's a different story. But they're still looking down at their uh, their Apple health. Unfortunately. Right, exactly. I think Apple will own the patient. I think this whole thing that they've got going around privacy and how I, Apple is private and secure against Facebook, it's a red herring. I think what they're trying to do and, and should do rightly is convince individual human beings who are holding their devices that this device is secure and so you can trust it for your healthcare data. Well, what are the odds Facebook renames itself Orange? <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Do <laughs> <laughs> you have any bets, any bets on that? No, none at all. I, I actually, frankly, don't care. I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. Oh, of course, so. of course, of course. I feel like it's when, like, Philip Morris became Altria. I like, know. oh, they're so altruistic. We're good. Well, did you see Philip Morris just bought a drug company? What? Yeah, is it a cannabis company? Or a this is the irony of all ironies. They bought an asthma inhaler company. <laughs> Wait, I already threw up, get threw up again. Can you imagine? So apparently Philip Morris that causes all the lung issues has bought a company that now fixes those issues. That's amazing. Amazing times. You know, Lego, you know, destroys the lower part of your foot for parents with kids in your house makes, and I've said this on the show repeatedly, they make a house shoe for parents to buy that has the right amount of styrofoam engineered for the weight of stepping on a Lego. Oh my God. <laughs> I wish I'd had that when my kids I know, were young. I know. The Go amount they, of times I screamed. The, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems is a Lego. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a Lego shoe. It's amazing. Amazing. So what are you working on these days? 
So I just joined Finn Partners. It's been uh, six weeks after seven years at Ogilvy. Right. Uh, it's actually very refreshing. And it's not a chocolate building, though. It's not the chocolate. For the listeners, the Ogilvy factory. building was called the chocolate. It was built it's in the a chocolate factory. It was like the old Nestle chocolate factory they yeah. converted to the Ogilvy building. Yeah. yeah. And the tracks are still there in the bottom yes, of the building. I that saw took them, yeah. the, you know, the, the chocolate out once it was done. Um, yeah, it was a you know great ride. I you know it's sort of bittersweet. Uh, Ogilvy is an amazing company. I've learned huge amounts, but uh, it was time to move on. And uh, uh, Gil Bash and Noah Finn were incredible and tremendously pushy. Yeah, <laughs> but an incredible culture. So I'm I'm blessed. I've joined. I've met a few of my colleagues now in person, one or two. Um, so what next for me is, you know, how do we build this digital practice at Finn? How do we really grow an environment where we do take into account some of the things I'm talking about? I think well, when you start your paid patient advocate board of directors, I'll join it. Perfect. You can be the chairperson. <laughs> yeah, for it. How's I, you that? know what? I'm happy to do it. You because, and Jen. Me and Jen. Well, by all means, you know, I love Grace to death too. Grace, Grace yeah. has to be on there. Stacey Hurd has to be on there. Total shout out to all these there. people. There you go. But I, I feel like if I could join you in like just this diehard North Star or anyone in your position is, can we quantifiably prove, I'll use lots of fancy words here, that involving the right patients economically benefits drug development? If that hasn't yet been proven, what does proven mean? And when will that be monetizable at scale to all Americans? You know, Craig Lipset. Love Craig. Craig and I, were talking about this a while ago about involving patients at the design of the protocol. Yes. Because if you get enough patients to help you design that trial protocol, the rest becomes so much easier mm -hmm. down the line, right? So that's where we should start. Well, you gotta kill the lawyers first. Well, yeah. Like Shakespeare. Yeah, exactly. But I, th I don't think, you know, but I think there is a way to do it and it's maybe not the big guys, but it's the smaller guys. It's the biotechs that have got some really interesting They can take better risks too. Exactly. And they're very more, I'm learning because of Finn, I'm learning, I'm working with a few of these biotechs and they have a different way of working and they're very innovative and they have an open mind well, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's try it. Where in pharma, the first thing that you get is, that's a great idea. Let me go talk to medical and legal to see if I can do it. <laughs> Famous last words right? every time. Exactly. So I think maybe where we start next year is a paid panel of patients who work with these new biotechs who've got an open mind and prove it with one of those before we go there. So maybe that's what we should do. All right, last question to blow your mind. So in the 1960s, Ralph Nader pulled a whammy on this country by demonstrating to the insurance companies that just by paying for the fucking seatbelts, you'll save more money over all the claims. Is there a possibility of a version of that today in the next 10 years where just paying for everything, I'm not talking single payer, mm -hmm. covering the cost of these things will save you money in the long term? There, There is. There already is. There are HEOR experts out there who've proven Wait, all yeah, of was this. Wait, it was an acronym. What does that mean? So health economics outcomes researchers. Done. So these health economic outcome researchers do study all this stuff. They study it at the drug level. They study it at a GDP level. They study at the global level. There are HEOR experts in the World Health Organization. There are HEOR experts at every insurance company. There are HEOR experts in the pharma business. 
they're all trying to do this, right? So the HEOR expert at the pharma side tries to convince somebody to reimburse for a cancer drug, for example. Right, right. You, you know, we now have this new indication of prostate. You need to cover it. And here's why. Let me show you the model. We've done it. These are the number of patients with, you know, breast cancer with this new indication. This is how much our drug will cost. This is what you reimburse. But look at the long-term care capability. Look at what its impact is on economics, all of those things. So right. there, there are people who do that. They're not well published. Ah. That's so they the need problem. visibility. They need visibility. Good thing we have a national audience and exactly. millions of people here. Exactly. Let's figure that out. Right. So let's figure out a couple of HEOR experts. Yeah. And maybe take one or two of those and let's talk about the studies they do. And maybe, you know, I know a few myself. We could get them to be on the show to talk about how they go through what they go through. Who do they present it to and what's the outcome? I can just see a reality show called, uh, what, So You Think You Can H-E-O-R? There you go. H-E-O-R <laughs> got talent? Yeah. <laughs> I was H-E-O-R'd. Yeah. Done. Perfect. <laughs> Ritesh Patel, God, I, this is so worth it. I feel like you could be here like every day. Matt, thank you, you so much get for you. having me. You already me. have two shows. You don't need a third show. Oh, I'll come often. Uh, yeah. Now I know where your office is and where this building is. And, well, we've got the bagel shop next door yeah, as well. Yeah, Zucker's so. not a sponsor, but come on, Zuckers. I'm going to pop in there in a minute. And I'm going to make your hey. charge of our sponsorships. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so what, 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 I didn't even look at it. What's your new title at Finn? So part, the title is Senior Partner Global Digital Health. Right, but that's just syllables. You're like yes. the epic of all epic. I'm trying to not be the epic of all epic, but I'm trying to just make a difference as much as I can. I'll just say RJ11 Crimper. There you go. And fan of Cosmo.com, ripcosmo.com. Cosmo.com. All right, thanks for coming in out of patience, my friend. Thank you, sir. That's all for today, folks. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Our senior producers are Brianna Seely, Jen Oranja, and Andrew McDowell. It is mixed and edited by Brianna Seely. Our theme music is by the Mike Van Allen Quintet and by Mara. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home... Yes, cool! ...or attending one live... Go! ...you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement of the restrictions apply.